0: Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan, Brett, or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or recommendation. Now please enjoy this episode.
1: This is the Investing Power Hour number 84. It is, let's see the date. November 9th, 2023. My name is Brett Schaefer. I'm joined as always by Ryan Henderson. This is the Investing Power Hour podcast on Chit Chat Money, where we really talk about anything in the investing world. It's just the two of us. Sometimes we get some guests. We're trying to get a couple guest uh, appearances, which I think are fun from time to time, mix it up, get a new you know voice in here because Ryan and I generally have the same thoughts on a lot of things. Yeah, when it comes to investing. But we're gonna kick things off today with a ton of earnings. We're gonna hit maybe some gripes over yeah uh, as we've our funds have been in a little bit limbo as we shut down our in uh the investment fund we started up. Uh it has to be in limbo for about a month here, and then all the stocks feel like seemingly Uh, are going up before we can invest in our personal accounts, which I found not very satisfying. But Ryan, what do you got on the docket for us? How are you feeling during what we might call the growth, maybe part of the earnings season? A lot of unprofitable companies going right now.
0: Feeling good. There's, yeah, you talked about it. There's some big frustrations for me right now in that just full disclosure uh, most people that are listening to this probably saw we shut down the fund our our fund we were running and we're returning the money and Brett and I both had money invested in the fund so in the meantime it's in limbo and we sold a bunch of the stocks that we owned and all the stocks well not all of them they seem to be ripping so a couple a couple yeah <laughs> which is a frustrating much. yeah but
1: there is there's it, a couple
0: yeah to be honest some of them are down too like match groups down relative to when we sold same, same with some of the others so they're on the on one side i'm frustrated that some of them are ripping i'd love for all of them to be falling but on the flip side it's kind of relieving to go through an earnings season and not own anything because you can kind of just like oh that was a horrible quarter like you know like you could like oh, glad i don't own that or like we even had a couple where it's like well you know good thing i don't own that right now but uh anyway it's just a little weight off the shoulders so that's been fun oh, yeah. but there are there have been a lot it feels like more so this quarter there have been a lot of like 20% plus drawdowns after a release
1: yeah it's kind of one of those i well stocks have been ripping a little bit especially after big tech reported or it seems like a lot of those large caps reported and I think expectations are kind of high for a lot of these things. Now there's some growth stocks or some beaten down ones over the last few years that it seems like the expectations are extremely low. But I think a lot of the ones that have held up fairly well over the last few years, the expectations are high, valuations are high. Yeah. So it's not surprising. And when you don't meet your guidance and stuff like that, when... Your guidance may have been irrational. I, I think you're gonna you're gonna see that from hopeful. time to time. What full guidance? And you know what? Yeah, full guidance. Yeah. We
0: actually talked. To, I remember talking about this last year. There were a lot of companies that were saying, kind of towards the end of the last fiscal year, there were a lot of companies saying it's gonna be rough, but we expect it to. We expect things to turn around by the end of next year. they, they were saying that last year, and at the time we said. How would they have any idea like they have no idea what's going to happen in seven months eight months it's purely just hopeful that things turn around and now we're seeing some of those guidance revisions say yeah things aren't turning around um and stocks are getting absolutely crushed right now
1: yeah so. the i think that's a good point kind of a rule of thumb or something i like to look at is whether. They talk about when they're guiding, if they say, oh, we're guiding to a normalization of the macro environment, which is sometimes a bit of nonsense, but that is betting on something changing to the positive, like it's outside of their control. Or I look for um, guidance that basically says, hey, look, you know, things have been bad this year. Our guidance basically assumes that none of that is going to improve and might get worse. So we're trying to be extremely conservative. I think that's important for context for- for people uh, 100%. That, uh, I think a lot of the times, well, for one, I think a lot of the maybe quantitative factor stuff, momentum stuff, they're not going to pick that up. So I think that's something. Obviously, a lot of other fundamental investors are looking at looking at that, but I think it's it can be a nice little note to look at. There's a huge difference between saying, well, things will go good if things outside of our control improve, or we're still expecting the economy or our part of the our little niche in the economy to be um doo.
0: did you look at the disney earnings at all
1: mm, just headlines
0: there's a point in the disney earnings report where they basically said we expect streaming to be profitable by q4 of 2024 so basically a year out and at first i kind of thought like how are they gonna know maybe they could raise prices or whatever but how would they know specifically q4 2024 i work like
1: well the quarter was okay yeah
0: yeah. maybe you can moderate costs or whatever like on your own timeline but the the quarter looked okay but i can't help but think they are like massaging numbers because they they report the segment adjusted earnings and it feels like you can move some stuff around between the streaming and like especially like within the entertainment divisions like you could just call some costs linear networks or whatever that are that are kind of a gray area which i wouldn't put
1: it past the old uh old bob iger yeah and i think you gotta look at consolidated numbers for them Look at their consolidated cash flow. They have a history of changing their segments. All these media companies do. And I don't think... Ah, we don't need to talk about Disney. we got a lot of topics here. Why don't... we got a ton of earnings. Celsius, um, Bumble, let's see, Topgolf Callaway, Coupon, Airbnb, Beyond Meat, Affirm. Probably won't hit all of them, but I want to talk first. Nintendo. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about the earnings, not too relevant, but the most important thing was the announcement of a second movie that has been ma- been in the works, I guess, for around three years and is probably maybe they're pretty patient. they're pretty slow, so maybe a year or two out. First, it would have been nice to tell shareholders that you've been working on this for three years. But I think that confirms a little bit of our thesis where you gotta trust that they're doing these things. And second, this is one of the stocks where it's like, okay, the thesis is probably is finally working. All right, cool. Well, why did you have to do that right now when I don't have the money,
0: <laughs> when when I'm no longer a shareholder? Things about start yeah. working
1: out. Yeah, that is funny.
0: We waited three years of owning Nintendo for the market to finally come around and basically say, you know what, this might be a this might be a sustainable business.
1: Like yeah, maybe and it thing it It's not cool. It's up three yeah, percent today. yes Three percent, yeah. It's really the momentum, which that is a there. huge swing for Nintendo. Just so everyone knows, yeah. You, <laughs> <it's> just, yeah, <laughs> usually does, usually doesn't trade much. Sometimes it's the yen that'll affect things, but yeah. But okay, what are your what are your thoughts on this thing? People are worried that it's live action. I think generally they're con- people are concerned about that, but it seems like they got a Marvel guy in there. It's going to be kind of standard stuff. Zelda seems like one of those sectors of the gaming industry where the fans are very, have a very, very high bar. So I'm assuming that a lot of people won't like the movie, even if it's good. The only way they'll like it, if it's like, if if it's somewhere like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something like that. But I think it's, it's not going to be as big as a super Mario movie, but it'll be good. And then I, I don't know. What do you think about Taylor Swift playing it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what's 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 the, her the, role or the... i think i think that the the i don't know the story anyone that knows it well they know really well i think zelda is the queen Zelda's person, the and then girl. link is the the hero yeah or the guy that's doing a lot of stuff that you're, that you're with and then there's the evil it's the classic story that's the age old time um there's this comment was... in our
0: chat says, I think the Nintendo CFO has just forgotten the password to his brokerage account. I can't think of any other reason for not buying back shares.
1: Yeah, they yeah. have bought back shares, but they do it weirdly. They say like, okay, we just announced a probably like maybe $500 million equivalent in yen. And then they can they perform it in like five days. And you're like, cool, you guys have so much liquidity. Why don't we just get this thing maybe cranked up to about two billion a year here since you generate four to five four billion in earnings give or take where the yen is trading yeah I their capital allocation
0: will always boggle my mind
1: Chit chat money is brought to you by interactive brokers but we'd like to call them by their ticker symbol IBKR designed for active traders and sophisticated investors interactive brokers offers trading assets in 150 markets with 27 different currencies Charges USD margin loan rates from 5.83% to 6.83%, rated the lowest among margin fees. The ability to trade stocks, bonds, options, futures, commodities, and more with high interest rates paid on instantly available cash balances, and the ability to lend your eligible stock shares to earn passive income, all on one single unified platform. Restrictions may apply. For more information, visit ibkr.com. Member SIPC. Open an account with IBKR today.
0: what they don't need to be so conservative i get yeah. it i get it the Wii after the wii u you were in some dire dire positions but,
1: but it's already conservative because they built up that cash position
0: yeah i mean what do like what do they have today 12 billion usd in cash hard to tell uh having ca
1: excuse me yeah. calculated it yet? What do you, so did you read the, they gave out their annual investor presentation this year. Did you check that out? The 60 page slide deck, kind of their old comprehensive thing. Yeah, I think so. When, when did they, 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 they put it, they just, they released it along with the earnings report, I believe. Oh, maybe I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't. they didn't an update, that. they did an updated one. They did that last year as well. Which I'm not a shareholder, was, so I don't I don't have any responsibility to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It always feels like there's a responsibility to read read everything. Um, I will say I did go on another channel. Um, Ryan didn't have kind of make this to work, but it was called the Matt. Let me confirm it. It's Matt Money. Yeah, channel. A lot of fundamental investors there. Yeah, real Matt Money. Matt M A T T, and then money. We discussed the Nintendo update uh, after earnings, which is quite fun. They got a nice little channel over there. So thank you, guys. And we had a listener of ours, I believe, connected. So if you're listening, thank you for making the connection. But I liked from that presentation, the reiteration of talking about taking all of their franchises and putting stuff into visual content and then putting stuff into the theme parks over time. For example, building out the Donkey Kong land in Japan, which I assume if it's successful in Japan, they'll just copy it and put it in the, the other ones that are you know, around the world, the, the four other ones. And that might take a decade or two to really build that out, but that's going to work really well. And then I like how they talk about time and again, about using that, not necessarily just to make money, but to reinforce the gaming franchises and to make even more money and build it, and have even more fans in gaming so i think their strategy is coming to fruition and there, I mean, yeah, really there's some, are there's some good
0: stuff in this the slideshow
1: yeah, 1.4 I mean, billion they're...
0: at the box office on mario roughly
1: yeah well we knew that
0: right i remember it at 1.3 but yeah
1: stop tracking yeah, 1. yeah 170 million 170 million uh people watched so far Yeah, and so it
0: boosted what it boosted game sales basically by 30% on Mario titles for the most part.
1: For legacy ones, yeah. And then they already talked about I believe this might have been the regular earnings slides that Mario game sold like four and a half million copies within the first week. So Mario earnings are nice. And then yeah, so I like the theme park business doing well. The visual content stuff is chugging along, they're gonna be slow, not really a big Big deal. I don't think they're not trying to make money off of this, but the the only question now is the next hardware. I think that's the little, probably the only question left, along with what capital allocation will be or capital return strategy will be.
0: Yeah, we've been saying that for a while, but yeah, Mario Kart Nine. well, I, I, I guess
1: yeah. That that'll hopefully be if their history is any indication. The Mario, the new Mario Kart will launch along with that. Yeah, the. But I think that's the only question left because the, the expansion strategy seems to have been confirmed that it works.
0: How many online members do they have now?
1: The That was near the end. I believe they had 38 million, so not a big jump. It's still solid, but they don't give out like a revenue number. They don't give out how many people have what tier because some tiers are more expensive than others. I see. Um, well... Anything else?
0: No, I mean, it's just a bummer that everyone seems to be recognizing what we've been talking about for a while when we're no longer Stock's settled.
1: still not... <laughs> yeah, stock's not uh, up too much. Uh, We got a question. Do you think the Japanese yen will have a turnaround, which will help US investors, I think, that is referencing Nintendo? I have no idea. It has been one of the biggest headwinds of ever, really with the yen so but also maybe just the base rates like it's probably not going to be as bad but i do not know
0: i don't know i'd also say well maybe i'm thinking about this wrong but they're earning a lot in usd and converting back to yen and they're making a lot of right money right
1: 44 about 40 percent, but it's like 40 percent usd and then the rest is mainly europe and japan and a little bit of East Asia as well, so quite a bit of a headwind still for U.S. based investors.
0: Yeah, got a lot of questions here. How would you value Nintendo today? I remember going through this was, when we were talking about Nintendo, and it's kind of tough because you don't just want to strip out like their their ass. Like, do you strip out the cash? Eh, kinda, but yeah. Like, do you I do it on so. the EV basis? But yeah, but
1: what if they never return it? uh i mean eventually it's going to get returned with that dividend like the dividends not it's, it's not small so the
0: i think you basically just kind of have to get to an assumption of what you think they'll learn over the next five years which is really hard to guess frankly a lot of it depends on the new switch rollout but yeah
1: i think uh One thing, I wouldn't value anything on the stake in the Pokemon company because I think the value of that comes from the exclusive titles that they launch on their hardware. So the value is going to be earned from the Pokemon earnings. It's it's, Yeah, it's like, okay, look at what you think. You kind of have a little bit of variability and maybe kind of discount it a bit just because the foreign exchange, their history of cyclicality. Uh, But yeah, when the the new console launches, kind of think, okay, will things be durable, maybe grow a little bit. Stuff like that. It's here's it's, the other thing I
0: was thinking about. Let me pull this up. Uh because I was just kind of re-re-looking at Nintendo over the years. And if you look at their revenue, and I will share my screen because apparently some people like it when we do that. Uh I, I will if,
1: uh I'll let you off know the list. Okay, now you frustrated. can do it.
0: So I've got the operating come up for anyone who doesn't know. This is in Yen. Uh, for anyone who's just listening, basically it's from 2016 to the last 12 months in operating income in yen. And it's flat to down like 10%, maybe 20% from 2021. But if you look at it purely from if you that's just a, excluded that, that, that's
1: March 2021, so the, the, the heavy COVID year.
0: Yeah, if you just excluded the last three years. So, if you purely looked at it from like twenty, the last twelve months versus March of twenty twenty, so right before COVID, you'd say, and and you didn't know the numbers in between, you'd think, wow, this is a business that's that's really growing. And I think you could say the same thing for the number of software units they're selling. You say, wow, they're they're selling a lot more software units. Software units. This must be really valuable business. Oh, they're still selling. Now they have a installed base that's twice as large, it must be continuing to grow. But because we've gotten that lumpiness and because it's been basically flat to down over the last three years, I think a lot of people look at it and say it's in rough shape or it's not going to be sustainable.
1: Do you right. think or it's a fair- cyclical peak, yeah.
0: Do you think it'd be fair to strip out like look at a, a pre-COVID, post-COVID
1: yeah and I also think excluding that March 2021 year which is basically going from April 2020 to March 2021 is is fine because there's just a huge bump one-time bump in users uh I have they have a chart in here yeah so if we look at their sales of maybe I'll share the screen this is a pretty good one everyone can see my 100 tabs so if you look at their first-party software sell-through, uh, which basically means the first-party title, so the ones they make themselves, not the third-party stuff, like something from Electronic Arts. And then sell-through, I believe. I always get this confused. Sell-through means sell-through to the customer. Sell-in means sell-in to the retailer. If you look at uh, 2020, well, that was a huge bump, and we're actually down from there. But remember, there was a pandemic. If you take that year out, like... The, it's been pretty linear growth. And remember, and, I guess maybe Animal not, Crossing maybe not remember, but for, yeah, for, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, first party titles are where they make the vast majority of their profits.
0: It's funny. If you look at that chart and you just, instead of, it's funny that if they sold half as much software or first party titles in 2020, like, so let's say it was, halfway between 2019 and 2021 you'd probably have a much higher multiple on nintendo today
1: yeah it is yeah i think without the pandemic the company the stock is much higher because people wouldn't be comparing it to that and they say oh it's a cyclical or not a cyclical anymore it's just a compounder but what's interesting is that it'll be fine because eventually you'll generate enough cash um we don't want to talk about this one forever but uh, here's a good one from Tyler, always with the, a lot of questions. And then we may, maybe can hit one of his other questions, which I think will be fun. Do you guys believe the idea that Japanese companies are going to start prioritizing quote unquote Western capital allocation strategies? Let's say a little bit. There's been it's been a slight change. It might be a decade long thing, but the government is clearly prioritizing it. Just listen to what they say. Uh, But in a lot of cases, I think you shouldn't. There should be a bit of a margin safety there. I don't think an entire thesis can rest on that. But for example, Nintendo has improved its capital allocation policies a little bit from a capital return standpoint. It's not maybe ideal, and they could probably do a little bit more, maybe a special dividend, stuff like that. But maybe it's improving. I, I wouldn't bet on that uh, happening, though. Could Maybe do more. I could do more. I could certainly do more, but yeah, the, uh, but they, they operate on a different timeline. So if you're going to invest in Nintendo and say like, I want to make money this year, owning the stock based on the next few quarters results, you're going to be disappointed. They run on a decade long time horizon and durability. And that's great, but you have to be aligned with them or you're going to be disappointed.
0: Yeah. the I hope so. To answer Tyler's question, do you guys believe that the, Japanese companies are going to start prioritizing Western capital allocation strategies. Maybe they might. Yeah. I'm hoping Buffett can, uh, you know, provide some, some good juju over there. Kind of maybe. Yeah.
1: Well, he's investing because the government said part of the reason is because the government said to start actually returning capital and stuff. And there's some rules about if it's below book value, stuff like that. Uh, So they're doing it because the government is sick of the, Companies being very it's
0: because crazy. like in
1: general, if you return if you return the cash back to society, it actually can go back into productive hands, make citizens wealthier, pensions, blah blah blah. So yeah, it
0: doesn't do anything to sit on cash and corporate corporate bank accounts like that does very little in terms of productivity for society. I do think uh, I think we got Ian Gray in the chat too. For anyone who remembers Ian, he's been on the show tons of times way back when um but the other part is it attracts capital if you start returning cash to shareholders more people want to invest because they they know you'll return it and that allows you to invest more into your workforce more into your products and i don't know you're going to attract capital from outside the country which i would imagine is beneficial for japan as a whole should we hit some of the other topics or
1: yeah I mean everyone just keeps asking questions here maybe maybe one more Ian has a question. what do you think the biggest threat to the durability of Nintendo's businesses over about a ten plus year time frame? I think it's kind of paraphrasing it. I would say the combination of game sorry, video game streaming so consoleless games along with the growth of you know roblox and new age stuff minecraft that has less than the nintendo characters and they have less control over those type of things it, among young people which is why i think the theme parks and the movies are so important because you can try to capture a fan at a young age probably you know the key age is about 10 maybe a little bit below
0: yeah, I would typically say, well, my initial thought was that like the gaming TAM, whatever it is, the gaming market as a whole shifts away from Nintendo's core competencies, but that's really happened over the last decade where 50% of gaming revenue now goes to mobile and Nintendo frankly has just zero presence in the mobile universe really. I mean, they have their own You could mobile, or, I mean, it's on not, the go. I'm talking yeah. about iPhone well, Pokemon Go. Yeah. For like one year, they captured the whole world, but then it's no,
1: no. I said, uh, like they're, they're, they're hardware. They have their own mobile. Capable. Yes. Yeah.
0: But they adapted a majority of the mobile revenue comes from smartphones, right? So it's like they have no presence there. And it doesn't really seem just because mobile's growing and let's say like streaming were growing or like cloud gaming. I don't think that necessarily cannibalizes nintendo's business i think it just expands the market so i kind of i don't know i don't know what would be the big threat to nintendo long term long term i'm not worried because
1: they don't whatever. disney they, they, they can don't reinvent do.
0: themselves and they have the ip
1: yeah and they don't have the if anything over like if they went the disney strategy and juice the juice the ip too much then that's actually beneficial in the short run. That'd be a long-term concern as you get to the state of like Disney. But if anything, you'd want them to even lean into more of that. All right. The let's biggest it, threat, uh, hold on. I'll more, say the one, biggest final, threat. One yeah.
0: The biggest threat as a shareholder is that they just continue to accrue cash on their balance sheet for 10 years. And it doesn't yeah. get returned at an increase maybe. In percentage. Yeah, maybe. It's I mean, not if familiar. it's just appreciated, how much more would they have to? How much more value would they have generated for shareholders if they didn't let it sit in yen on the balance sheet?
1: Well, I don't know if it's all sitting in yen. Actually, That's should true. check that. But yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. I'm just trying to play a little devil's advocate. Okay, other topics. What earnings do you want to hit first? We should probably hit a few of these. I think they'd be fun.
0: Okay, well, this Top Golf. Let's do that, or Modern Golf, I should say. This is previously known as Callaway. They are now called Modern. Is their full name the Modern Golf Company? I don't know, but their ticker is MODG. MODG. They acquired Top Golf, and we were believers, to be honest. Like I was a believer that this was a good acquisition. I, I really interesting thought it concept.
1: Was. Yeah, yeah
0: unique very differentiated people a lot of brand notoriety people knew like when you think about you don't say let's go to a giant like modern golf facility you just say let's go to top golf i don't even know if there really are any
1: like working operational competitors
0: but there are
1: there are there's there's like there's a lot but yeah they're not they're not good and you don't know about them so that's kind of the point
0: right and so this quarter they revised their full year Top Golf revenue guide, which keep in mind, they are, I think they just reported the third quarter. So they revised their full year guidance from $1.9 billion at the Top Golf brand to $1.745 billion. So more than a 10% reduction in full year revenue guidance. That is huge. I am, or roughly 10%. First of all, how do you not know this? And how do you not communicate this earlier? Second of all, it's they they're expecting declines in same venue sales, and they are now expecting. Here's what frustrates me, and we can talk about what we were thinking prior to this. They expect consolidated adjusted EBITDA of 575 to 585 million. My question just ignore that. Just ignore that. (laughs) How much of that really turns into cash flow? And uh nick siple and i were talking about it a little bit before this he says i just leave it out only matters for management because they get paid on it and that's to me is really frustrating it feels like you have a gem of an asset and maybe it's a little bit
1: like it's i don't I, I honestly case. am thinking is i i'm not i'm thinking it's not a gem anymore i've changed my opinion but i'll let you finish and then i'll talk i think it
0: i think it can still be a cash generator for um And the difficulty is, for one, they're growing fast. So a lot of investment going into it. But also, it's like not recession proof. It just really isn't. It seems like this is a place where people stop spending if consumers are tightening their purse strings. So this was kind of our concern like, is
1: the spending pull back in any sort of a tightened? consumer environment it looks like it has and there hasn't been a titan titan consumer environment x the pandemic which was unique for top golf they were either not around or relatively tiny uh, during the gfc yeah
0: i mean i still think they're good assets i still think they can be profitable on a per venue basis because they do uh they whatever the problem is the numbers that management gives are bullshit numbers, so it's hard to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, adjusted EBITDA just ignore that. Stock can still work. A stock can still work. I don't know about this stock. A stock can still work if they're valued on adjusted EBITDA. Um, it's just maybe you still got to trust management. Here's okay. Andrew uh is commenting here, and I think basically sums up what happened to me when I actually went to one of these with a group for the first time. And he says the problem with Top Golf is that it's fun for the first time or second, but after the novelty wears off, you realize the food is mid and overpriced and you could spend a hundred dollars better somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I after going to one of these, like actually was there with you, Ryan, and a couple other guys, I was like, okay, this was fun, but I would not like, I would not be the guy that says, hey, let's go to Top Golf. And it's not like I'm an insane, like crazy, but true golfer, like. But you I do golf
0: like I I think you're beyond their kind of target customer so I would say like you golf
1: regularly. But those and- golfers but the the target customer is not going to be a regular customer for top golf because they're not actually caring about golf it's just like a novelty for them and it's just a fun little group event and I just I think about it as like a bowling alley except yeah drastically more expensive and that's not Look, and they also have a lot of debt. Yeah, I, I've really changed my mind here. Um, glad I kept it on the watch list.
0: Yeah, I agree. We had This was one of those where we kind of had a bad gut feel about management and just the numbers in general, and I'm glad we held off. I, I, Is there, yeah, are, they need, there are hundreds periods with these yeah. venues. They talk about that, where when one gets put in in a different city, the first year you see this massive inflation flexion and kind of or well you see tons of visits and then it kind of declines because people go for the first time and then it, you know you don't get the regular customers which
1: like look it could if, still if be a good saying, visitor spot yeah yeah sure here's the thing though if they don't uh yeah here's a good point for manager again if you become an avid bowler you go back to the bowling alley if you become an avid golfer you don't go to top golf exactly uh uh, that's just something I thought that, like, I was pretty bullish on this thing. I thought, but one, okay. But how's it trying to think of this? Like, if their same venue sales don't turn around, like, they could be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Other,
0: although every other time one, I go, I mean, it is pretty packed. That's anecdotal, but
1: whatever. But there's, st- <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> that's the like what happens if the the consumer consumer spending generally is going up still like uh, across the whole country on
0: probably more necessary needs like yeah 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 consumer spending is going up but i would be surprised if like discretionary spending like stuff like this was going up
1: I don't know. I guess just. I, I mean, should... just
0: looking, using like companies like Dollar General, the discretionary spending, Dollar General, Target, all that stuff. All the, it's been mixed to like necessary items, consumables, stuff like that. So even though spending's going up, it's like pushed towards stuff people need.
1: Well, I would say the discretionary is more travel and entertainment,
0: which is which is but waning. I guess we don't have. Bit.
1: I don't have the data. I don't have the data. I should be fair. I, I'm going off of a little bit of a field there.
0: All right. Anyway, bad quarter for Modern Golf. And I think I'm going to stay away from it for a little while. Do you want to talk about any particular? Well, items? I got
1: four here. Well, one. Well, I got four Coupon, Airbnb, Beyond Meat, Affirm. What do you how's, want?
0: How's Beyond Meat doing?
1: <laughs> Not good. Let me go up to the earnings support and just read off the numbers. Now, I should say there's some adjustments in here, but because uh, they had to do some write downs, but either way. And I tweeted something about this out in some uh, private account on X slash Twitter said like their borrow is insane for shorting. So the stock's actually up today on this, but it's just kind of one of those broken stocks where it's, it's weird. You know, it's, it's too expensive to short, but the company's clearly insolvent. So third quarter financial highlights, net revenues of 75 million, a decrease of 8.7% year over year. Gross profit was a loss of 7.3 million dollars. Tyler,
0: Tyler or gross margin the chat, they affirmed their operating losses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> gross margin negative 10%. Kind of tough to make money on that one. Net loss 70 million on 75.3 million dollars in revenue. Don't worry, adjusted EBITDA was a loss of 57.5 million. Good thing they included that there. Uh, and they said they're seeing double digit growth in Europe. So fantastic. Fantastic stuff and cash I remember, flow. I hadn't looked at this Let's, in a while,
0: but I remember looking at Beyond Meat, and they were they they basically said we lowered our prices by like fifteen percent, and our volume still declined. And I was like, "Okay, this yeah, is,
1: honestly, yeah, this it's is over." I mean, business. I I I'm literally their target customer, and I have I don't like that's how I knew this thing is ridiculous, but uh, it also means like you. you listen to our interview on with upslope capital on short selling doesn't necessarily mean it's a short you got to have different circumstances than just the stock is ridiculously overvalued and going bankrupt they have about 217 million dollars in cash through the first nine months of this year they've burned 80 million actually probably close to 100 million in true free cash flow i'm trying to kind of add it up here but they depleted inventory by 40 million so, even though your working capital is coming down, you're stripping the balance sheet of inventory. you're still burning cash. You great quarter want guys. me to read uh want me to read up the market cap yeah, four hundred and fifty five million dollars up seven percent today.
0: Let me find I, I, I'm always
1: curious going. About,
0: I should start reading these conference calls because I wonder how many analysts are like, great quarter guys. <laughs>
1: I love that. Yeah. Hey, you beat your he you beat estimates. You beat
0: your estimates yeah. that you told us to give. <laughs> it's like, yep. All right. Well, no, I think that equity should be worth zero. However they also have uh like,
1: over billion dollars in debt on the balance sheet.
0: Oh, that's right. And they actually raised cheap debt, which I was blown away by.
1: I would love months. to know who. Yeah, it's uh convertible notes, and I would love to know. Is it uh
0: sustainability linked notes?
1: Probably gotta love that. I love the sustainability linked notes. Software companies always do that. They're like, we just launched not some financially green bonds. sustainable,
0: but environmentally <laughs> sustainable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Can it be called exactly.
0: environmentally sustainable if the business isn't sustainable?
1: Yep. Okay. Uh want to hit. I kind of want to talk about. Maybe let's flip back. Yeah, yeah. You, we'll flip back. Flip back. Okay. You do yours now.
0: This is kind of interesting. So whatever. We were officially bankrupt. Long time coming. We visited that. We we talked about them on an episode. I want to say, I don't know, three months ago. And July. Yeah. It was right after they did this kind of big financial restructuring, which like kind of guaranteed that they were going to go diluted the crap out of shareholders and basically solidified their chances of going bankrupt. And so they have done so. Uh, Basically, whatever. Don't need to talk about the terms of the bankruptcy, but there's a statement from co-founder Adam Newman. He says, as the co-founder of WeWork who spent a decade building the business with an amazing team of mission-driven people, the company's anticipated bankruptcy filing is disappointing. I love how it's like the company, Not, not, not like it had anything to do with you. Uh, it has been challenging for me to watch from the sidelines since 2019 as we has failed to take advantage of a product that is more relevant today than ever before. I believe that with the right strategy and team reorgan- reorganization will enable we work to emerge successfully. First of all, I love how he's point, fing- pointing fingers. Cause it's like, he's like, oh, I left in 2019. <laughs> Just like casually drops. We that.
1: had a evalu- valuation of 40 billion.
0: Yeah. When I was there, uh, how cool would it be if he bought WeWork out of bankruptcy? Do you, and it, I mean, it seems possible. Maybe I don't know if SoftBank will sell to him, which I think they'll basically be the owners here. But they sent. I mean, he's people say he's worth one point seven billion. I think he got like a good handsome payout from SoftBank essentially when he left. I mean, yes, yeah, is- he, he probably has to take on a lot of the debt. So it's not like he's just buying the equity, which is worthless. It's
1: I mean, it would be a big financial commitment, but
0: I yeah. would love to, love to see his charts again. Love to see his powerpoints.
1: He's a compelling man. That is one thing that's certain. I okay. If he actually announces well, I, that I don't, buying buying WeWork, what would you think? Would you be surprised? I think no, no. I think the odds probably two to one. That he buys it, actually, I don't know how. Maybe SoftBank's not looking to sell, but I would be if I was SoftBank because it's going to burn a hole in your balance sheet for years. The how do I say this? It's just like season seven of a show that's run its course for too long, and they're trying to do some gimmick to get people entertained again. I'm kind of done with WeWork. I don't necessarily care anymore, but I think this would be fun. I would love him to buy it out and then try to transition given the commercial office to residential theme to transition all the buildings into kind of that. We live the kind of residential stuff that were kind of loopy kind of wacky. And, you know, just because there'd be some great, great videos that come out of that. It'd be probably very, very very funny. And we company, I think he could raise money. Yeah. Given this marketing environment, just throw an AI spin on there. He'll get a couple billion.
0: I'm sure the Wii economy has has expanded since he left. <laughs> the Wii Tans yeah. there. The uh anyway, I just thought that was absolutely hilarious to see him, you know, chiming in. But uh any other big reports you want to talk about?
1: Well, the ones that I'm interested in, one I should say I did buy uh after maybe we can talk about that is coupon. Um I thought that was really good. Maybe I can pull up the numbers uh, just so I have them in front of me. But stock's down on this report because they're... Well, after reading through the comments call, I think it's likely because their developing offerings losses increased. But as I'll get to, I think there's a clear explanation there and it's actually quite bullish. Uh, but let's look at... Uh, let me try to pull it up. Just trying to delay here. Okay, here's the numbers. This is in USD. Uh, I should say their headquarters is in Seattle. So we should go to the annual meeting. No one will go. Maybe we can talk to the CEO. Be kind of fun. Uh, Okay. Net revenues up 21%, uh, 18% FX neutral. Gross profit increased 27% to 1.6 billion. Uh, A lot of the gross margin expansion was because of the change in revenue definition for their fulfillment by... And logistics by coupon, which is basically their delivery stuff that they outsource to third-party merchants. And they changed that from a gross to a net revenue basis. And that's actually been a headwind to revenue growth, but obviously the business hasn't changed. So it's their gross margins should start expanding. Gross profit margin, 25%. Net income, $91 million. Active customers growing and accelerating up 14% year over year to 20.4 million. Now I should say... Uh on the cash flow number I'm about to give out, they had a big working capital advantage here that probably won't be as extreme in the future, but they do have a working capital advantage that should be sustainable as they continue to grow, similar to Amazon. Free cash flow was $1.9 billion over the trading 12 months. So they're generating a lot of cash now and have a lot of room to reinvest for growth. But the one concern people had was their developing offerings. Uh, their adjusted EBITDA loss there went from forty-four million dollars in twenty twenty-two to one hundred sixty-one million dollars just in the quarter. However, they said, uh, and I should say that their their main segment is just e-commerce in South Korea. Developing offerings is international food delivery payments, kind of some of that other stuff that they're working on, some of the newer stuff that's not very profitable. Video is a small percentage of the business. They said that Taiwan is going extremely well and growing faster than coupon was on the same timeline from when they launched. So that's why the losses are increasing. And I think that's a fantastic sign because they have so much cash that they can reinvest into a similar market, very dense population, play the same model. I really like the quarter.
0: Yeah. And I would maybe be a little more hesitant if this was like their first time expanding into an international market because You don't know how much money they're going to have to deploy and plow into the market to get to kind of similar economics to what they have in south korea but they've tried i want to say three or four different markets and basically pulled out or said it's not working for us so for them to continue investing and they 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 say this in their capital allocation strategy that they're like they're very cautious about investing in new markets they'll only do it when they're starting to see positive traction uh i like it uh that 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 to me is a huge positive. And the fact that they are, it was either they're having the Taiwanese merchants sell back into Korea, or is the Korean merchant selling into Taiwan? I can't remember, but it expands the TAM both ways. And at this point, the network or the scale is 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 there from the user side to make it really valuable whenever you enter a new market. Um the other thing I was gonna mention here is I believe they also talked about Eats. Their 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 food delivery business growing quite quickly, and part of that is they were discounting it heavily. With uh, basically, if you were like a Rocket Wow member, I think you got like twenty percent off or something like that. Um, or maybe it was less. But that if that's growing quickly, I imagine that's also kind of contributing to the losses. But I'm guessing it's fairly sticky service, and even if you, even if those uh discounts kind of wither away, I'm guessing people will stick around
1: yeah and the rocket wild membership which for anyone that doesn't follow this company closely is basically the amazon prime for them is only four dollars a month i don't know what they do for an annual but just multiply four by 12 basically 50 bucks a year and south korea is it's not like this is some emerging market that is much much poorer than the united states it's i i think they easily here will have pricing power to raise that up to 10 bucks a month eventually and they're getting a big chunk of the South Korean population. And yeah, as a famous uh, value investor used to say, as for me, I like the stock. I really, this is probably the, the, maybe it's, it's, it's always scary when something's your most exciting idea or like it's the one you have the. you're like, wow, this seems like such a great opportunity because probably missing something, but I, I, I like it.
0: As for me, I like this stock. Yeah, that's fair. I, I agree. I thought the quarter looked pretty good all around. I mean, active customers are kind of beginning to grow again. And it seems like the margins contracting is for good reason because they're seeing places to invest. So I like that. You want to talk about a firm's earnings? Because if I'm not sure. mistaken, you, you said they looked pretty egregious on Twitter.
1: <laughs> I think it was... It's one of those where, and this is kind of this part of the earnings season, which is always probably two, three weeks after big tech, where you get the the shareholder uh, letters that are all so pretty. And the biggest uh, maybe offenders here would be Block, Airbnb, stuff like that. Where it doesn't—it doesn't mean it's a bad investment. I like Airbnb, like their management, but it—it it always makes me laugh when I'm like, "Man, did I the IR team spend like a hundred hours combined <laughs> making this thing?" I mean, I wonder. My gosh, I
0: honestly wonder what kind of an index of of these pretty IR pages would have how they would have performed. Because I would, if you could put, it's indicative. Of a non frugal culture, if companies yeah, have people dedicated to making pretty slides for investors. I, I genuinely believe it. Like,
1: okay, Meta, Berkshire, Apple, requires but nothing. Alphabet. They're so all, basic. All, yeah. It's all so five easy. big techs. Amazon. I'm trying Amazon's to say just a bunch of Microsoft. Like
0: horrible bullet points. Like, it's actually kind of difficult to read and organize poorly, but who cares? It doesn't affect the results.
1: Yeah. Apple. Nothing, Microsoft, really lame stuff. it's actually hard to follow. And they always try to make you download Word documents, which sorry guys, for Google Drive over here, Alphabet gives out no disclosures. It's actually sad. They're one of the most important companies in the world. And they're like, actually we're not gonna give you YouTube revenues. You're gonna have to try to make some sort of estimate here. Oh, Same and way. any sort of any what the revenue are for these giant segments, yeah, you're not going to know anything. Um, okay. With
0: Apple. Apple, it's like three paragraphs is their press release. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, I Makes it, it really kind of hard uh, to talk
1: about. Okay. Well, affirm. Uh yeah, some of this is just those cautionary statement disclosures. They have 19 pages in the shareholder letter. Then we get to the income statement and balance sheet. And I should say there were uh, – Provisions for credit losses, which is a non-cash. I believe I don't follow this company closely, but again, they're provisions for credit losses, so it's like could it could be a real thing. And they're also one of these companies that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight operating expense lines. That's usually not a good sign. Uh, Okay, total revenue in the quarter four hundred ninety-seven million. Uh, operating loss 209 million. Like it's just the, the model, the buy now, pay later doesn't work. I also looked, which I thought was quite illustrative of how difficult these companies have it because one, you're attacking the strongest modes possibly ever with Visa and MasterCard. They added over the last 12 months 20,000 merchants, they now have 260,000, give or take. Visa probably adds that many in a day. They have over a hundred million merchants in their network. And they probably add an affirm every just, day. Just to be clear. That they add in last year.
0: And they add an affirm because the affirms come to them. Affirm, it's outbound. They're trying to get merchants on onto to offer this BMPL solution. Whereas Visa, like it's literally just merchants plugging in. So it's not only meager growth but costly too but like chamath said you know this is going to replace the visas and mastercards of the world which just yeah, you makes want sense no, since they no. run on those rails
1: you we gotta you, we gotta start accepting people with these narratives again because we you want to buy a visa at a, at a discounted price right so we should say yes totally chamath The now they're is gonna eat the world crypto's coming all that good stuff. Good comment here from Tyler. A bank with a pretty IR deck is a days away from a run. Probably he's exaggerating, but that's just an example. But if LVMH or William Sonoma has a pretty deck, I feel that's needed. Wouldn't be worried if a fashion retailer has, or would be worried if they had some ugly presentation materials. I think that's probably the exception to the rule. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be concerned. Um, we always joke about the Revolve Group one. Which I think is quite funny. <laughs> Maybe like showing that back of photos. <laughs> yeah, basically, a bunch of naked photos. Like, all right, guys, this is an. not worry,
0: honey. Like, I'm doing. I'm doing research. Doing my due diligence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think that's a good point. That's probably part of the brand. Um, always good.
0: Although I still want to Like, listen, if Elvia, it doesn't just, make
1: me invest. Yeah. It doesn't make me invest.
0: If they gave me like an investor. I don't know if they just gave me like 12 pages with the financials. Like, I know you're a luxury company. I don't, your, your financial statements don't have to be luxurious. Like, yeah, I don't know. Apple's a luxury company, I think.
1: And. Well, we're going to talk with Leandro, potentially uh, invest quotes, potentially, potentially haven't nailed it down as an interview for the luxury month. And I would say you're right. They have the premium brand, but it's not the definition of a luxury company, but that's picking it from the industry people.
0: I mean, there's just six pages of financial statements, you know, they don't, they don't juice it up. I think some of the best companies realize that it's a waste of
1: time. Doesn't it j- yeah. It doesn't change the brand. All right. I want to talk now. Uh, let's just say I've never owned this stock, but I do like the management. I do like the company. I do like the brand uh, Airbnb. I did some tweets about it, which got some really fun feedback. I appreciate a lot of people are very snarky on the old Twitter machine, but I uh I, I try to take it with a thick skin because you know, I don't know. I, you know how they are, especially when you throw something out there that might be a hot take. So I basically said booking holdings, uh Q3 gross bookings, approximately 40 billion, Airbnb 18.3 billion. Uh so about half, give or take. And I asked, does Airbnb ever close the gap? Um, and there's a lot of people that gave out some great data on how booking is actually like expanding this gap. They're growing quicker, especially as they launch the basically Airbnb competitor uh, across their brand. They also have the hotels and stuff. Airbnb's quarter was interesting. Uh, it's, uh, they have great margins, stuff like that. They don't have to... Like, it's not like a distress situation, but I'm curious your thoughts. If you've read either of these, and what do you think about the Airbnb versus booking competition? Because the narrative among a lot of people is that Airbnb is kind of the new age, growing, taking share, but that's not true anymore. Booking is really fighting back and fighting back well right now.
0: Yeah. R- remind me on the booking model. Basically, they take like all the available rooms from hotels and list them and take a
1: commission, right? It's 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 basically I I haven't looked at the company closely, but I assume it's a similar business model to Airbnb, but with broader amount of co- accommodation. And now they're getting into a lot of alternative accommodations, which essentially means the Airbnb style. So they think counterposition themselves really well and are investing very aggressively. Into I like booking the al- Like
0: no, not that I, I like the management team, they're very, like rational and candid about uh, uh expenses and very shareholder friendly they had like a whole thing about how ridiculous some of the companies are with stock-based compensation i remember that the ceo basically tore into all their competitors and was like they are egregious with it so i i like
1: that have you seen the uh have you seen the speaking of a competitor have you seen the expedia headquarters in seattle maybe look up oh. the new one look up a picture of the new one and look at the location it? it's on the waterfront on oh God. north north of downtown I look anyway. up look up a photo
0: <laughs> it uh I like bookings I don't really have an opinion either way in terms of who's going to do well I think they can both there's probably room for them both to grow accommodations on the platform
1: yeah I think my so so guess
0: well. we're I'm, I'm kind of doing this right now because I'm looking at booking a hotel for like a trip there will always be room in the marketplace for hotel stays. There'll always yeah, be. That's not the question. Yeah. Yeah. And if, yeah. well, I'm saying if bookings accommodations primarily come from hotels, right? I think it's all hotels right now.
1: No, I, I, they, I don't know if you ever been here, but they have 7 million alternative uh, accommodations right now. So I thought Airbnb you said, I thought you said they stuff. were just starting to roll them out. No, they have. It's.
0: Oh, is that the VRBO?
1: They own them? No, I think Expedia owns them. Uh, Isn't that as, just as yeah.
0: many active listings as
1: Airbnb has? Exactly, yeah.
0: What? Uh, is it just bigger Expedia,
1: in Expedia owns Verbo.
0: So what, the bookings platform? I mean, I've never heard of it, so I'm guessing it's huge in Europe or what?
1: Maybe. Honestly, I haven't looked at the company closely. I think that was going to if I thought Airbnb was looking at an attractive place, I'd I'd, like as the stock definitely take a look at booking more closely. I should say, I don't know it that well. So could have gotten something wrong there.
0: Well, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe we should do like a month of like travel or like, uh, you're you're reading
1: my mind. I did a tweet on that. And I I basically said, uh, Airbnb booking Expedia. And then, I asked for one more and there's quite a few small ones out there. So it could be fun to do a niche one. We did do, if anyone's interested, uh, eDreams is a European one. The name's weird. Trust me. It's a tra- it's still a travel OTA from, uh, why am I blanking on his name?
0: Chad Garcia.
1: Chad Garcia. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ryan. He's been on twice. Listen to that one. I thought it was a really good pitch. Yeah, it's interesting the narrative on that. Do you okay here do you think Airbnb needs to be concerned at all? And do you think it would be smart for them to move into like booking sturf and try to get other sorts of accommodations on Airbnb?
0: Potentially, I think there's a lot of pushback. For, I mean, they've they've been trying to do it with apartments, but there's been a lot of pushback from kind of the apartment whatever community.
1: Well, okay that's that's different that's using your apartment as an Airbnb I'm they've mentioned offhand getting boutique hotels and then like literally like apartments like you know like an apartments.com style. just oh, mentioned, just uploading just mentioned. other people's kind of inventory I guess no, no no not other people like other platforms is what I mean yeah I mean not stealing their inventory but doing a similar model to how booking works, stuff like that, other sorts of uh, accommodations onto the platform. I would worry that would uh, dilute the brand a little bit because I do like how when I go to Airbnb, I know exactly what I'm like, what's going to be there. What type of stuff? They're good at like
0: configuring the app in a way that's understandable. So I would say the more listings you can get, Even if they're someone else is listening, say they sign a deal with Marriott or whatever, the better because you can just have a sub tab that's like hotels, right? But I don't know how much volume they'd get through like Airbnb hotels. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think they'd get much at all with Marriott, but with smaller ones, they could probably do do well. What about uh, as I know we're gonna. We're at about an hour. So we should wrap up here. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Do you like how the company does all these product release things? And then it's just like the smallest update you could possibly imagine. Or they're like, we tweaked the review system slightly big release guys. It's, it's annoying. <laughs> now I, uh, I, I think
0: it always starts with the what's his name behind some, like behind some table at their corporate headquarters. he's like, we've been making significant changes and today is the biggest product rollout ever we now have a star rating system it's like
1: oh. <laughs> yeah I know it's like you can now filter for Wi-Fi speeds whoa yeah. um, I actually don't think you can do that okay well it's been an hour uh I think we should explore the travel OTAs more I think this is a very interesting time for them but for anyone that doesn't know we are continuing our sin stock theme this month Uh, we are currently in the weeds researching MGM resorts super interesting company just reported earnings we're going to be doing smith and wesson we're going to be doing altria group we're going to be doing diageo or diageo i can never say that right and then in december we're going to be doing luxury so we'll finally as two people that aren't <laughs> maybe that stylish, will finally figure out what a luxury company is because it seems a bit weird, and I never understand the definition. But that'll be fun. And you can always listen to these free willing conversations every Thursday. We go live nine thirty a.m. Pacific time on YouTube, or as most of you are listening to the podcast, you can do that right as well. It'll come out Sunday mornings. Okay, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. Ryan and I may have own securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you, everyone. Again, thank you for the comments, and we'll see you next time.